0: Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we're simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw.
1: And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia.
0: We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way.
1: Enjoying. No, not enjoying. (laughs) I can't believe I just totally lost my flow. Were you hoping hoping to cover something, Aaron? Covering, bicycling, trains, transit, adventures and life hacks. And today, many adventures actually, Mm -hmm. but adventures in your mind. What? Yes. Today we are covering role-playing, specifically D&D and bikes. We have in our studio with us Mr. Jimmy Applehands. Are we allowed to use your last name? I'm sorry. That's something like... Do you go by something else?
2: I go by Apple Hands or Bonez. Bonez? That's how you find me on the internet. And now the feds have both on one recording.
0: Oh, no. no. Good thing we only release online. They won't look there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They're they're never there. (laughs) Well, thanks for Uh, having me. Yeah. Jimmy's here to talk about Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, Jimmy, you are... I was going to say you're part of
2: my D&D party,
1: but yeah, I feel like I'm more part of your D&D party.
2: I think you've been there long enough that we're part of the same party.
1: We're it's it's a co-party. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming in.
0: Welcome, Jimmy. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Jimmy, um real quick before we get into the recap of the week, tell us a little bit about yourself and sort of um I guess how you got into biking.
2: Well, yeah, I grew up in a stupid town in Kansas. Uh, that's its name? Yeah, Topeka, oh. <laughs> also known as Oh, stupid okay. Town. Well, because, I mean, we have a boring Oregon, so <laughs> well, that's what true. It's the question of ask. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Topeka, Kansas, not a very big city. Uh, it's it's basically a city small enough for small city problems, big enough for big city problems. Mm. Doesn't have the benefit of either. And uh, my dad instilled uh, biking in me at a young age. He uh, would bike to work every single day. Even if it was raining, even if it was too hot. For real? Yeah. How far? Uh, About six miles each way. Badass. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, actually has been on the cover of the Topeka Capital Journal three times just <laughs> for being on a bike in really, really shitty weather. <laughs> is, he, is he like
0: the one cyclist of Topeka or something?
2: At this point, I think there's at least four. Oh, okay. But he's, yeah. Small city problems. Yeah, exactly. What's, wait,
1: what's the name of this periodical again?
2: Uh, Topeka Capital Journal.
1: Topeka Capital. I'm going to see if I can find like the back issues. Yeah, look it up.
2: Yeah. There's some great pictures of my dad in a huge (laughs) poncho biking down the street. That's awesome. Nice. Now a poncho,
1: not a rain cape. No, 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 no. Poncho. Yes. There's a very distinct difference. Yes.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, that's uh, something that that you've gotten into through him then?
2: Yeah. And also kind of just the punk culture in general of like, uh, you know putting uh, bikes before cars Mm -hmm. and uh, trying to be more earth-friendly in general. Yeah. Do-it-yourself, do-it-together, all that good stuff.
0: And for anybody working on bikes, bikes are a perfect-to-do-it-yourself type activity. (laughs) Cool. Well, we look forward to getting into some D&D later. Um, And feel free to chime in at any point along our stretch here. (laughs) We're going to catch up on the news of the week. Aaron, what's new in your life?
1: Yes. so yesterday, I was actually just right here, um, and maybe, listeners, you might have heard hmm. that episode already. We, we did an extra episode oh, where cool. um, we had uh, Eric, whose last name escapes me right now. Uh, That's a great had, last name. Yes. <laughs> he had developed a game called Solo Una Noche, One Night Only, hmm. and uh, it is uh, sort of a card game tabletop game that is um, with the backdrop of, of luchador wrestling. Hmm. And so we played that here um, live. Uh, well, or recorded, I guess. And uh, that was a really good time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to this game being released. It's going to be released on Kickstarter okay. uh, sometime at the end of summer. I thought he was saying. Oh, nice. Oh. Yeah. but Yeah. Yeah. So you'll be hearing that we did that. I, <laughs> I said earlier uh, in that episode, I kind of came down with an acute case of stupid, Hmm. Um, finding myself like doing like just kind of things that like in retrospect, like why would I why would I have done that? Like, like from
0: a gameplay perspective?
1: Um, no, from from a life play perspective. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, like, why did I start changing my brake pads at six o'clock when I had to be here at six <laughs> thirty? Yeah, uh, I think <laughs> those kinds like, of things. Oh, you know? for
0: sure. Well, I think this is like the time of year that everybody's looking to kind of tune up their rides like the bikes coming out of the garage for most folks the bike's already been in the streets for most folks who are biking anyway so like it's still a good time for a tune um but yeah i i feel you it's it's like you start to notice those things because you're you're i think you you bike a little bit more even if you're a regular rider um and it also makes you wonder about what you want to get tuned up before you really have to commit towards a project.
1: Well, and and the thing is is like I I knew what a project is it was cuz mm. like with with all brakes, disc brakes, you have to like do a lot of adjusting once you got the new pads in cuz mm-hmm. you know the the distance between the calipers have mm-hmm. now changed and
0: Are you running the BB7s?
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um
0: yeah. I'll
1: BB7S actually.
0: Oh, it does S stand for uh, not sucky.
1: <laughs> um, I honestly don't know what the S stands oh, okay. for. I will confess to you, I got the S's because unlike the regular BB sevens that come in silver yep. with the red, yep, they come in black yep. with the black knob, which would be no surprise to <laughs> yeah. any of our <laughs> <laughs> listeners. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure a lot of you are just l- laughing your heads off right now um yeah cool. i i have no idea like what kind of increased performance it might have i mm-hmm. just paid the extra dollars for aesthetics yeah just like getting teflon coated uh shift cables mm-hmm. i i don't know what benefits it would have to me other than the fact mm. that now i've got black shifter cables
0: yeah yeah i um i had just done some like Compressionless housing on yeah. my cables, and then I realized that the weakest link was my noodle, which I've recycled through like three uh, cable set replacements. Oh, okay, and so I, I um, was finding myself in a similar repair this week. Is where-
1: the noodle like? Is that all steel or, it's, uh, or no? Aluminum, it's typically or... aluminum, yeah. and then it
0: has like a little silicone sleeve inside of it right, right. that provides easement of that cable. It's it's basically where it attaches for for my bike at the V brake connection. Yeah, um, and so it it precipitates that bend as you want to get it through its final threading. Right. Um, and and in my case, I kept on being like, "Gosh, this is so silly! I just got all of this new like really fang- fandangled housing." and uh it's it's actually harder to break after i did the repair oh, than really it was. yeah but of course like you know those bike things where you, you you schedule the time you schedule and then you're like i have no more time like i i'm done doing this and so however yeah. it is that's how it's going to be until i, yep. I find some yep. other i guess time i have to, dedicate to adjust it. this later yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. i've been riding this way for about four months and um jane has often recommended that i do something about it <laughs> and so this week was that week where i was like you know what this is probably something i you, should change
1: but you knew right away it was that one part or um, not right away but you of. pretty much knew
0: well yeah. so this is the fun thing about bikes is it, it can be as simple or hard as you want to make <laughs> yep. it um but i i tend to like spend more time than i think i need to necessarily on figuring out not only like the the how but also the why and so a lot of times you get to the how and it's like cool you're good to go like that's almost that's all you really have to do is just just have the how part right um but i i ended up like tracing the line back because i've been having an issue on my right brake uh lever and it's a tectro lever that i got aftermarket and put on about six years ago but they stopped carrying brake hoods for it so every time i run through a set of hoods and my suspicion initially about the 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 kinking or the the lack of um or the or the uh, additional friction was that maybe there was a exchange happening at the housing to the brake lever level, uh-huh. and so I kind of had to like trace that back and find out how well that was doing. And um, turns out that I still don't know why they switched up the housing design <laughs> on the brake lever. Uh-huh. I, I'm kind of like looking to stockpile them at this point because right. the brake levers work fine. You just burn through housings every four years, uh, or or the rubber covers. Uh, fortunately, it was a noodle, and the noodles are like well, a buck fifty. So. so
1: is is there a a mechanical difference between the two like the newer levels and oh i'm I'm sure there is i'll bet
0: bet, like they sent you know five hundred thousand units out and x percent of that came back with this particular defect and then the next time they went to retool they're like whoa we're not going to do it this way again right okay Um, well i was wondering if it
1: was really just the hoods that like caused them to update
0: yeah uh who knows honestly so it's kind of weird in the bike industry you get a lot of like uh brand cascade where cane creek is the fancy version of what a lot right. of other people will sell for a lot you have cheaper
1: the, the sort of the better best well not whatever. even
0: that and this is no this is no slight against Kane creek or, or anybody really but you have your your tiers and so you you can offer slightly more sometimes it's justifiable sometimes it's not but uh-huh. Kane creek is like the these are the really cool levers and then um it, it, depending on who
1: well yeah it's got a gecko exactly
0: well and that's all i could figure out is if you look at them it's to me uh, not having researched it specifically, that is the only difference. Is you're paying an extra twelve bucks <laughs> yeah. for geckos on your brake hoods. Right. <laughs> so um, that's not to say that's necessarily the case, but uh, yeah, I I take way too damn long to change my brakes when I go about it, and so I'm glad that I'm safe again now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I think we mentioned this in the last episode, but um, there is that feeling of like you've changed everything over. Mm-hmm like oh yeah this is what it's supposed to feel like yeah. when when it's working, when it's working. yeah
0: <laughs> totally honestly that conversation probably was what precipitated <laughs> me like, being oh, like yeah, oh i, I should gotta fix this, change this. <laughs> yeah i mean it's never good to get killed on your bike cuz you couldn't brake properly right. um that that's that that's that's beside the point the point is that new brakes feel good to use yes.
1: going back to like the diy punk ethic like how much how much of that influences your personal maintenance things, Jimmy?
2: Oh, a lot. It's, uh, I hardly ever take my bike into a shop unless it's like way over my head. And so there's things that I'll just like, okay, I need to I, I just today I just changed the the pads on my brakes nice and uh well on the front anyway I'll do the back later <laughs> see exactly <laughs> you you and me get along in the, in the change out world yeah it's a yeah, the front works now so I'll just rely on the front a little more and that then, does uh, most of the braking any, anyway right? yeah exactly yeah. as long as you don't you know too hard and go over the front it's fine <laughs> um and, and yeah, and, like, all, like, my roommates will be, like, oh, my bike is messed up. And I'm, like, no, 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 don't take it into the shop. I'll 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 do that. Right? right. And then, like, they'll bug me a week later. Like, hey, you haven't done this yet. And so, I'm, okay. <laughs> and then I do it. <laughs> See, um,
0: that's really nice of you because sometimes folks hit a point where they're, like, no, take it to a shop. I I'm not your free mechanic. <laughs> but um, at the same time, like, you can learn a lot through fixing friends' bikes.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I learned, uh, actually, like, the most I learned about bikes uh, was here back in oh man it was like the first time i was living in portland 2002 2003 community um, at that point it was mississippi i forgot the name of the project hmm. um not, not the community Miss- cycling not Center? the community cycling bike Center. farm it wasn't bike farm it was before bike farm it was uh mississippi bike studio comes to mind but i'm confident that i'm wrong about that it was it was called something else okay and um Man, sorry. This You're is good. not very good recording for remember is going to
1: cause people to write to us. Stress. Yeah, yeah. Which we Anxiety. Love. So,
2: yeah. um, And they had a or, program. Or, or, or the edit button. We're good with that, too. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, So, yeah, it was, it was on Mississippi Street, and it was a, a program where you would uh, go in and volunteer your time to... Um, at that point, I was just, like, stripping bikes down. Yeah. And, like, then they would have more competent people put them back together. Um, and even just, like, stripping bikes down, I learned so much about, like... What parts go where and like how different different bikes are, and just like um, just the way mechanics work on a bike. And so, um, a a lot of what I learned was just uh, taking donated bikes and stripping them down to their parts.
1: This sounds a lot like the bike farm, even though it's not the bike farm. I wonder if maybe it's what the bike farm turned into. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Or came from, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. This makes me think now we got to get Momoko Saunders back on anytime. Yeah. Anyway,
2: yeah, so yeah, that's where I learned, um, most of my, um, do it yourself ethics on the bike is just from, from stripping bikes down. And, uh, from there, just, uh, like a lot of it comes from not wanting to spend money on things. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, punks that don't make a lot of money, we got to figure out our own ways of doing things and, uh, learning from other people to know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah.
0: It's interesting because um, I was I was reading a comment board the other day and someone was talking about like if it's if it's like affluent it's considered a like a trick or like a, a like a, a feature or something but if you're if you're not affluent it's considered like. Uh, a hack or or just like you know really yeah like the same trick can be used in multiple income levels but is considered something different at each and i was like but it's all all of these are saving money so isn't it just like good sense to try to do these things yeah um i I think like the example given was uh something like uh line drying laundry or something like that where you can pay the energy bill to do it with a dryer or if it's nice out you just you just hang your laundry um but yeah it was just interesting to me
1: that i mean that's just Sort of what one does, I thought. That, me too. <laughs> that's, that's me a, too, Aaron. That's a hack,
0: uh, or uh, you know, I, I'm sure you could go on uh, like Gizmodo or something like that. Yeah. There'd be like 65 trillion ways to save X, <laughs> Y, or Z. <laughs> right. I, I'm not too sure. I I um, tend to stick to the ones I know, and I don't know the ones I don't. But yeah, it was just kind of interesting to me to see that perception.
1: This is a bit of a of a like side conversation mm-hmm. or, or a side trail here, but there are. A lot of like quote unquote life hacks. Yeah, I think that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, for for like things that I just sort of do. Mm. For example, I'll I'll take like folding my Mm t-shirts. You know, there's like a hundred ways you could fold your t-shirt, and at what point am I like, who cares what's the most efficient way Mm. to fold my t-shirts or the the quote unquote best hack for Mm. folding my shirts? Okay, like.
2: Yeah, like how it's much time are you going to save? Shirt. Yeah. Like how, the, much time have I,
1: how much time have I read? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how much time have I spent reading about folding my mm-hmm. shirts versus like, I still got this pile of laundry sitting here on the couch that I have not <laughs> intended to.
0: Oh, don't we all have that pile of laundry? <laughs> right. oh, so the, so the pile question. Pile of bikes.
1: <laughs> pile oh, of yeah, bikes, sure. yeah.
0: The question begets, uh. To fold or not to fold. Because the hack of all is to just chuck it in the drawer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Take that, life hack.
2: (laughs) It's going to get worn anyway. That's right. I don't care if it's wrinkled. One trick the doctors don't want you to know.
0: (laughs) Throw your t-shirts in the pile. You know what? And And to get a step ahead of that, why take it out of the basket? You're just gonna wash it next week right
1: this is This is a great like clickbait title you know yeah. <laughs> this this one trick of folding of folding your shirts would save years off your life. Mm-hmm. but
2: you need folding in quotation marks,
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, this one uh. folding trick.
2: Mm-hmm. And Uh-oh. and people are like, but that's not folding. Well, Shh, don't just read the article. Just read the article. <laughs> Too late. You already clicked on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why our legal team told us to put quotation marks around folding. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So, talking of folding and folding bikes, I'm going to use that as a segue to bring yeah, us back. That is first talking segue. about repairing our friends' bikes. Um, so you do a lot of that here in town.
2: Uh, mainly just with my roommates okay. and like whoever's around. Um, yeah nice i'm not a professional at all just you know i'll change a tube Mm -hmm. i'll put cable and housing back on stuff like that easy stuff oh for sure
0: yeah i think the great thing too these days is um youtube or, or 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 the access to technology when available is such a great teacher these days i mean back in the 1990s you pretty much relied on people who were writing manuals about this type of thing and they were just fine. Or
2: zines. Yeah, or right. zines. Yeah. Precisely,
0: zines. Or, or manuals in the form of zines. Yeah, um, yeah we
2: just had a, a really like awesome bike from our, our book about bikes from the eighties, mm. and like we were like kind of in our house, we're kind of paring down and trying to like you know get rid of a lot of the clutter, and we're like, are you, are you condoing? My partner is. Oh, okay. And I am assisting her. Nice. I know Excellent. little to nothing about it, uh, but I support. I her am in doing unfamiliar it. with this phrase as a verb.
0: Ah. So condoing is um, not spelled C O N D O, and I don't actually know the correct spelling, but I believe it starts with a K. Um, is a writer who who has sort of life philosophy and um, the way to live tips type stuff. Oh, and Mer- so, is it Marie? Yeah, yeah I think yeah, that sounds Marie. right. Okay. Um, I I've seen I've seen the book. I haven't read it myself. Uh, however, it's 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 I. I the gist I get from it is it's in essence trying to simplify one's life through simplifying one's physical possessions and, and the thought that if you don't use something, you shouldn't keep it. You should only interact with the things that you use daily.
1: I call that being poor. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) there is
0: potential crossover. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, some people condo, not by choice. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah, it's an interesting one to talk about, I, I guess, because uh, yeah, everybody's at a at a different end on that spectrum, so it can be it can be quite a process for some.
2: It really, it is, especially at our house, because I'm very much a hoarder and a pack rat, and like uh, we'll we'll go through all of our stuff, and like one of the tenement or tenement tenements tenants tenants of the <laughs> uh, the process is. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically getting rid of anything that you either don't use or doesn't bring you joy. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And so, um, and, Oh my God. It's, it's like, we'll, we'll be going through all of this stuff and I'm like, well, I don't need that now, but maybe in, like, six years, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to buy another, like, cable for this thing. You're spot on, friend. Right? <laughs> but, like, do we have enough space to keep that cable mm-hmm. around for six years when we already have, like, 20 other cables? Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I can see my partner's side. But land and... parties might come back. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's, it's, they never went away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so is this awesome. if
0: okay if we're on this episode i i feel comfortable in this space sharing some some geekery uh i am 100 percent going to pdx land this year
1: nerd which, oh, which is
0: excellent which is a four day land computer fest <laughs> uh, <laughs> where, where you hole up at the holiday inn and you just play games until your brain is fried i'm oh curious as
2: to what games they played at a land party because like mm-hmm. i'm i'm Haven't been at a LAN party since I'm trying to remember like what game we played, but it was Mm -hmm. probably like Doom
0: or something. Here's the cool thing about PDX LAN. Um, The reason I like going is not actually for the games, but for the community. Uh, I started going like way back in high school, so circa like two thousand six, two thousand seven, um, and I'd kind of get all of my friends together, would make a trip down from Salem to Portland for the weekend. And um, these days, it's it's kind of my way to touch base or keep in touch with those people, you know, because you you see them about once a year, and it happens yeah. to be a PDX LAN. Um, but it's a super great community, really family friendly event. Um, they 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 get it as far as like event management in in the computer techie like realm exists um, and in that regard one of my favorite things about pdx lan is um, it doesn't matter what game chances are if you want to play it you can find other people to play it with you nice. uh, so there's like 500 people that hole up in this for the weekend and so um, at any given time you, you if you want to play doom great there's probably 10 or 15 people who will join you um, it, you know name any game then that's pretty much the case they, they do have bigger games like the more popular titles uh, that they use for uh, attracting sponsors that help pay for the costs of the event but um one thing i've always appreciated about it is you can just walk down the aisle see something that looks neat and then uh just grab it and go so yeah, yeah lots of lots of fun yeah, yeah lots of really fun stuff happens there and it's, I, so it's I, the week i set aside to just delve deeply into that world <laughs> and then i kind of like resurface over the course right, of right. a couple of days
1: so i i can say with confidence i've never been to a land party hmm. I've been, However, I've never been invited to a land party uh, either. I was—I think I was too old for that to like be a thing. Okay. Like by the time it was like everyone was doing it, mm-hmm. I was—I was like already trying to live the straight job life. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting.
2: I, no, you're good. <laughs> I believe I've only been to exactly one, and I think like. 80% of that party was trying to figure out how to get the computer working to so- go. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, so,
0: uh, could I ask which year that was?
2: Yeah, oh goodness, it was, uh, I'm gonna guess either like 99 or 2000. That makes absolute sense
0: that that's, uh, that's what's going on. Like we used to pool together to be able to afford like a slightly better router or a slightly better switch each year. Um, But it's kind of funny because most of the folks that I attend with, like they're doing IT or systems admin stuff these days. And if you look back, it's like, well, it's because we had to fix problems on our own freaking computers like way back when we were 15. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, it's it's a fun event. I think it's also interesting in a sense because it kind of breaks the age normativity that you'll see around the tech world i would if i had to take a guess like the median age is probably 40 or 45 for pdx land
1: really oh interesting yeah wow
0: consider this is the same community that i plugged into at um you know 15 or 16 Uh and it's still the same people but you know add that 15 years so um no that that's just i think it's a statement of how great the event is it's one of the reasons why um i try to make it to it, at least in some capacity usually i'll work that weekend but then just go there in the evenings um Really, really fantastic. So, uh, in in as long as we're talking D and D here, I'll uh, I'll let that out into the wild. Sure, sure. But uh, yeah,
1: fun stuff. I'm sure there's there's quite a lot of crossover in the Venn diagram. Oh yeah, oh, they'll do yeah. they'll do like Definitely. a D and D night
0: every now and then, stuff yeah. like that. Cool.
1: Um, you know, a good place to hang out, maybe not to play D and D, but at least while you're working on your D and D character. Mm-hmm. Do you know where that would be?
0: Where would that be, Aaron?
1: That would be the Beermongers on Southeast Division and 12th. What? Yes, the
0: Beermongers.
1: <laughs> I sat down there at least one time <laughs> and, and leveled up and leveled up my character. Yeah, well, yeah, like gone through.
0: Well, and, one thing that but, is is always true about Beermongers is that they certainly continue to level up their beer. Oh yes, and uh, we they have a can have...
1: that you shake.
0: Oh, they do. I love the shake cans. Uh, I, I'm such a I'm I'm such a label. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know <laughs> what that's supposed
1: to mean, but I just think that's funny. That, I kind of went the, this what, this week was my check
0: out the the interesting phrases on the beer cans and beer mongers. Okay. Um, next week, who knows? But uh, yeah, no, have a beer, level up your D and D character, or just hang out for Kirbage on Tuesdays. Anyway, yes, check it out. The beer prizes mongers. for skunks. Oh yeah, the beer mongers.
1: Southeast division in twelfth. Thank you again for providing these drinks.
0: What are you having over there, Aaron?
1: I'm having a kombucha slushy because your refrigerator works a little too well.
0: He was very hyper today, <laughs> yeah. and I'm having a Pincus, World's first organic brewery Munster Alt or Munster Alt uh, since 1816.
1: World's first organic brewery?
0: Huh? Yeah, supposedly. Done. Uh, let's see. Turn it around. German? Yep, that makes sense. Uh yeah, pretty tasty actually. Yeah. Right. And wow. then um we 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 <laughs> will will send you a kombucha in the mail. Uh we we didn't have a second one, but um thank thank you so much for being patient with our water situation here. Anytime. Cool.
1: <laughs> well, going forward
2: or backward. What? <laughs> um are stepping through the veil?
1: Yes. You find yourself in a hallway. No, in an alley, with a bicycle. What do you do?
2: Wait. Where, where's the nearest? Introduce dumpster?
1: yourselves. <laughs> that's, that's honestly like always the most awkward part of, of any
2: um, D&D. Oh, yeah, like, the introduction? Yeah, yeah. Because you never know if you're supposed to go in character or you're supposed to stay right. as mm-hmm. yourself is there kudos by the way to anybody who um
1: like voices their character and sticks with it oh yeah i get i get bored like after like maybe two or three interactions
2: yeah i i i try so hard to like have a different voice and then it's it's like i just get tired i I, usually i just forget Hmm. and like i just use my regular voice Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think half of that is nobody else at the table is reminding you Oh yeah. Yeah, no
0: one else yeah. cares. So like <laughs> except, except like they the, would would turn to you and say, "Well, well, um the- Theodore the Bearded, why are you speaking like such?
1: <laughs> right. You what? sound
0: so different today."
1: <laughs> there are occasions where like someone will say, "Okay, out of game, blah blah blah, blah yeah. blah," and then like go back into mm. into the thing. Mm-hmm. But if they're not like voicing their character, you know, it's sometimes a little bit more difficult yeah. to to get that distinction. Mm. But once again, You just sort of get bored with it. yeah.
2: (laughs) There's like two at our table. Well, one of them isn't there anymore, but there there was a point when there were two really good voice actors at our table and and now it's down to maybe just one. Oh, yeah.
1: I started off, I started off trying and again, yeah.
2: Well, now it's different because you have a character that doesn't speak the language of anybody else except for me (laughs) (laughs) at the table.
1: Yes. Well, we should, we should maybe give a little bit of background, um, so you and I are in, uh, what is this, Season 7? Or... Oh, I don't even know what season it is, yeah. And it's part of this new thing that, or maybe, it's new to me anyways, uh, that Dungeons & Dragons or Wizards of the Coast are, are putting together.
2: It's, it's fairly it's... new in, in the scope of D&D, yeah.
1: Um, Adventure the, League. The Adventurers League or Adventure League, and yeah. uh, it's it kind of tries to put all the gamers sort of on the same page with each other. Hmm. Um, you like, for example, we're in, what is it? The Tomb of Annihilation right? Uh, yeah. uh, campaign. And so I could essentially take my character to just about any Tomb of Annihilation campaign. And,
2: and like, honestly, like you could go to any of the campaigns as long as they're running Adventure League. Right. Like your character could fit in because it's it's like a a set of like rules on top of just like the base D and D rules that you run. So you can just plug into any game that somebody's running under the adventure league game.
1: Right. Right. And
2: so this is all like very new to me.
1: My background, my personal background of dungeons and dragons is like back when you bought like the red basic set and then you graduated to the blue intermediate right. and then the, like, I don't know what it was like gray expert or whatever. And so you, you had like, you know, the, I don't know, the, these various like paperback, uh, yeah.
2: um, and then you had to buy a, modules and then all the extra. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. the psionic handbook or,
1: well, it was even, it even predated the fact oh, yeah. that that
2: was a, that was even a class,
1: which <laughs> it isn't anymore. No. Yeah.
2: <laughs> there was. And now it is not.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So all this, like, it seems really new to me, even though I'm sure it's not new to a lot of people. Um, But let's let's hear like your personal history, how you got into D&D and uh, just, yeah, what what makes you continue on with it?
2: I think like a lot of people like in high school, like I had some friends who were playing D&D and they just got me into it, Um, you know, uh, I believe I started in 3.5. Okay. Where we did have psionics. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's circa it's, a... it's, yeah ninety okay. five. Okay. Ninety four, ninety five, somewhere, somewhere around there. Middle of high school era. Um, bunch of kids that didn't enjoy the drinking scene, so we did our own thing yeah. on Friday, Saturday nights, get together and play some D anD D in Topeka. In Topeka. Yeah. yeah. Um, play uh. Yeah, you know, we did a little bit of the card games. We played like Magic the Gathering or the Star Wars card game that was big at that time. That was the Star Wars card? It was the original one. I still have a bunch of it if oh. anybody wants to play. <laughs> does.
0: I, I think I actually know someone
2: who would enjoy that. I honestly I have more Highlander card game than I do of any of the other stuff because mm. all of my friends were like, I don't want this anymore and I hold on to it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> going about going back to being a pack rat.
2: Right, right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. If you're going to play Magic the Gathering, you better off be a pack rat because that's the best way to play.
2: Yeah. Uh, The sad thing about that is like when I went to college, my brother sold all of my Magic the Gathering cards to buy new Jedi cards. No. (laughs) Who's even heard of that game? Right? I haven't. (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> so so all of those That's, that was uh, a great
1: investment brother yeah, yeah. Uh, i'll never forgive so, so him so for that
0: the, the real question how many how many pristine first edition basic lands were in this old pack
2: oh i, I didn't have any of the first editions oh, okay. but it's like even like from that era like fallen empire was like you could buy it for like you know 10 percent of its like selling price because they were trying to get rid of it, and mm-hmm. even those are, like, so expensive at this point Yeah, because yeah. it's just been so long. Mm-hmm. I guess, uh, yeah. This well, is... I, the the card I'm most proud of is I still have a first edition Venusaur hmm. from the yeah. first Pokemon card game. Yeah. Foil, not foil? Foil, yeah.
1: Frick, yeah. I well, have no idea what are We're, we're getting so great. far down I, the I, rabbit I'm hole. I'm just going to lean back for a while. <laughs> <This> is... <laughs> so,
0: so what is happening is... um. <laughs> there's this whole like subculture of card trading retrading and and within like magic the gathering and some of those games like that in the purest sense of the play you want to try to do it with the original cards and so people like cards that were printed 25 30 years ago like maybe there's 15,000 of them left in the world but there are people vigorously seeking those out in order to complete said deck or or decks okay. and so stuff that like we would chuck or that would get moldy back in the day when you, you you know you grow out of it or such right. um, yeah. well gu- guess what you just tossed away 25,000 <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> a lot of these cards like aren't even playable in competitive mm-hmm. like yeah it's the, the nostalgia factor scene. yeah it's like they're they're illegal to play at this point but mm-hmm. people just they want that part of the past and they want a complete set yep yep
1: wow fun <laughs> times <laughs> um well guthrie you mentioned you also have a background in in dungeons and dragons i do yeah yeah how long ago was this for you
0: oh this was probably since i was like eight or nine years old Uh i guess um D &D for me like we growing up i played pretty often with a with like who i describe as like my core of um people who have been like my best friends throughout all of life thick and thin Uh and we we as i moved from eastern oregon to salem uh when i was about 10 D was kind of how we would keep tabs with each other and so we we did it sort of in a, a larping which is live action role play oh yeah um, and also a, a semi-loose rule set of D D. so for example in traditional D, oftentimes you'll roll dice to determine the probability um and then that probability of, of actual occurrence is then uh chosen as a metric by the dungeon master um so like you roll the dice and the dm knows like cool if they roll over eight it goes if it doesn't they don't um but we would like throw a stick through the notch in that tree okay you got it cool all right you didn't all right you're dead um, so so with that you know a bit more of a cut and dry uh, sure. or, or cut throat I guess I would say rule set um, but what it allowed us to do was to have uh, continuity to our relationship through D&D and um, made us you know just really in, in a great sense it's a great way to catch up with an old friend right. um, and to pick up right where you left off um, and then get into everything else
1: I think I'm I'm mostly just experiencing like this sort of nerd this personal nerd renaissance hmm. um where it wasn't cool for a long time mm-hmm. uh, personally and oh yeah it never Definitely. really was for me <laughs> like I I loved I loved reading the the source materials um and I liked the idea of playing but honestly whenever it came down to playing um uh, we would get like two or three weeks, you mm-hmm. know, into a once campaign a, once a week something. into a campaign. Sure. Yeah, yeah, two or three like sessions worth, and then we're just like, oh, life happens, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I got to practice with my band, or I got to go to a church group, or whatever. Or, yeah, you know,
0: or for or, or for a lot of people, I mean, me realistically, yeah, I would say peer pressure killed a lot of D and D players in yeah. in like the the uh, like teenage years. Yeah. Uh, cause yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to stand up against a lot of ridicule or, or at least the level <laughs> well, was, of ridicule that It was, was never
1: really that for me. Oh, good. Mostly I'm, because I'm very happy for you. Mostly for because like I was, I was kind of a closet D D person. Okay. Um, in that, like one around, you know, my town of 3000 minus people, um, uh, really heard of, or even like knew about and what they knew was like, you know, isn't that, that like black magic thing that <laughs> yeah that like oh yeah you know, wait do you mean <laughs> board what, what, what? right, right. <laughs> exactly and so you know the people that i did play with you know it's like one of those things if, if you knew you know you knew and like you were into it but mm-hmm. they were like few and far between and like you know the the age gap between like me and middle school playing and the next oldest person could possibly be like almost 10 years mm-hmm. you know, which at that age that's, that's a lot huge gap of, yeah, yeah definitely like Like now, I think I might be ten years older than some of the people at the table (laughs) that I'm with, you know, once a week, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, possibly. Mm Yeah,
2: yeah. I think one of the things I'm really loving about this resurgence of d and D &D and just kind of nerd culture and culture in general is uh, the accessibility of it. Uh, Yeah, like there's game stores popping up a lot of a lot of places, and Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, all you, you can just show up on a Wednesday night and you don't have to hunt down someone who has all the books and Mm -hmm. someone who went through all the trouble of reading all those books and who went through the trouble of putting together the right module. It's uh, every Wednesday night I just show up, and someone who is really dedicated and really enjoys volunteering his time to be our DM puts the game on for us, and we can just enjoy ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that that brings me
1: to something that I recently discovered – um, through this campaign that, uh, again, maybe it's not new to anybody else, but it's, it's new to me. I wonder and I, and I, I want wonder to talk what about like
0: mail we're going to get. Cause I wonder what the crossover is <laughs> right. well, for our audience.
1: Well, that's, that's honestly like one of the things I'm hoping for to, yeah. to get out of this, this episode is like, you know, where the crossover between like simple living and bikes and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and like fantasy and role playing yeah. like really, really sits. Mm-hmm. But, um, back to like campaigning once a week at at a game store like i maybe did that once in my life and it was just you know you went there after hours because the person at like castle games or whatever you know right. knew this person who like dm'd and was was going to like c- you know was part of this campaign and and so you went there and you you know you had this folding table and, and in the back you room know, you know and everyone yeah. like brought their snacks or whatever um and it seems like the The game stores have gotten hip to to hosting uh or or to be in like sort of a venue to host mm, and, right and this particular place that we that we go to the portland game store like has beer on tap and i I honestly would not have even thought of that yeah. as as being a thing you know
2: yeah and and just in general like a lot of comic book stores back in the day had this reputation of being really old and and dusty and inaccessible unless you were older white male. Sure. And, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and, and now it's uh, like, I started uh, working at this place, Astro, Astro Kitty comics back in Lawrence. And that was kind of like back in 2000. Lawrence, what uh, state? Lawrence, Kansas. Okay. Um. Yeah. Back in 2005. And it was kind of like trying to push that comic book stores away from that and mm. try to get it more into like this is a well-lit comic book store <laughs> where <laughs> people
0: want to go here. All yeah.
2: sorts of different people would feel comfortable coming in and asking questions and not getting turned away by gatekeepers. Everything's not covered in dust. Yeah, yeah, gatekeeping's
1: an interesting thing, and I'm sure there's like there's tons of people out there that, that talk about this, but it is something that um, has turned a lot of people away that I'm yeah. not seeing at least as prevalent. I'm sure it's out there, and it, and it happens right. still. Pretty, pretty often
2: i'm but. sure there's like some some micro occurrences of it but i think definitely like stores like where we play i don't can we talk about like specific uh, places yeah yeah oh, okay. i mentioned the portland game like, store, you know we're like, not being
1: paid by by the portland game store to mention this but just as this is where we are right
2: yeah yeah like uh it it yeah, it, it's it's very much in the same vein of like it's well lit. It's not like in the back of some weird strip mall and like it's... <laughs>
1: strip <laughs> stra- malls, yeah.
2: Um, and it's... Uh, yeah, they have beer. Like you can come for all sorts of different things and the people there are, are know- knowledgeable without being condescending. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a great place. I find it a great place to play.
1: And quite often in, engaging in a in a very, um, uh, I don't want to say familiar cause it's not that, but like, um, they, yeah, they want to get to know you and your party. It's genuine. Um,
0: what's that? It's genuine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah it's a very genuine thing. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, for someone like our DM Dan, who's been there, you know, volunteering his time as a DM for, for some time, like they yeah. know him pretty well. Yeah. Like, uh, uh one of the, the people who worked there, Jody was like razzing him like, Okay, you know, I'll I'll buy you a beer if you kill off one of your player characters. You know, <laughs> yeah. just just knowing that like, you know, it's it's something that, that, you know, that's part of the relationship between DM and player, of course, is like, you know, how can I make this fun while make it challenging? Right. And yeah. then the player is like, you know, how how far can I push my personal boundaries without like getting killed in the game? You know? <laughs>
0: yeah. I think um, in regards to sort of that renaissance of of geek culture, if you will, uh, one of the important factors in that is people are, for lack of a better term, like getting it, where where in a sense like you would have situations where a higher percentage of DMs, for example, um, would have certain things happen within games that uh, are are just in no way acceptable as part of like a, a fantasy or a real world. Right. And so I think there's a lot more awareness around that and a lot more sensitivity to those types of occurrences. And I, I think that as a genre, it's moving away from instances in which that occurs. And so that to me has been something that I've seen as a transition from like very early days where um, people w- would look to like maybe take out other uh, things from their personal life, like out in a DM or like fantasy setting, um, like voyeurism, I guess, if you will. And that's just kind of like that, that, that like nasty underbelly of, of that type of experience, I guess. Um, but I've, I've seen like a very like noticeable shift away from that, especially in the context of game lounges where that type of shit is just not tolerated and it's not okay. Yeah.
1: And they, they really like, well, a couple of things in adventure league, they sort of stake out like, you know, here's here's some of the the rules mm-hmm. for lack of a better yeah. term. Like yeah. I think they even call them rules, like for playing an adventure league and like a lot of the rules are based around like, you know, you don't harass other players. Right. If you yeah. don't like you know, it is a fantasy thing to in a in a fantasy world to like sort of like explore or like be someone you're not, but you also still don't get to like be a sociopath. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't you don't get to like you know, the idea is yeah. to make it fun for everybody, and for like sure. if it's only fun for you because you're like attacking your fellow players or like just being a, for lack of a better term, just an asshole, then mm-hmm. like sorry, you're, you're not making it fun. Yeah. You yeah. Know?
0: And, or or these days, you're out.
1: Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And
2: I could see like on one hand, like uh, being able to like role play through some of your shit you're dealing with in your own life, mm-hmm. sure, like could be therapeutic and and good for yeah, you. That's a great point. But. I don't see dragging other people into that. Like that's, <laughs> right, not, right. that's not for out and in public. That's not yeah. for adventure league. That's for finding your own space to do that. <laughs> that's it's for yeah. therapy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I wonder like if the shift also like is just sort of the, the industry looking at itself and, and saying like, we're not going to survive if we continue to make our bread and butter, this sort of, straight heteronormative mm-hmm. white male, uh, uh, industry, Definitely. you know, cause that's not the way, at least in the U S the demographics are going. Right. Um, you know, the demographics, uh, and just general population are, are, we're, we're becoming more diverse. We're mm-hmm. becoming more, we're getting, there's a lot more aged people and there's a lot like more younger people. We're getting a lot more like sort of multi uh, generational as well
2: mm-hmm. um yeah there's kids that play two tables down from us that like and i say kids but i don't know what, what are they like probably pretty about young 10? kids coming yeah coming through yeah i call them kids yeah.
0: yeah i think it's it's within the community like and that. they're
2: playing with adults too yeah so
0: it's, it's not just, just to, a table full yeah. of
2: kids it's exactly. like yeah
0: and yeah. i and i forgot to mention that too about pdx land like that's another great thing is is like over the years you get to see like people that keep coming back every year like their kids are now coming and oh, nice. so it's like yeah. it's, it's a complete family type event um and i think that addressing all age ranges and um like backgrounds is has been something that has been a struggle for some of those types of genres but i feel like we're seeing some really good progress on that
2: yeah i think a lot of it especially like in the, its very beginning like being created by you know white i assume straight males yeah like gary Gygax. Yeah. yeah and like uh that's it you know, started, it's, it's all Well, i knew. mean it started like
1: yeah. this this sort of english um uh war games kind of thing and and it's a i guess it's a thing that was pretty popular in england at the time was yeah. to like recreate hm. these these war scenarios right. and and with miniatures and, hm. and you can still find like game sets like that online um but like gary you know sort of introduced this sort of fantasy like Tolkien-esque, yeah, to, like, yeah, yeah. To it, and uh then it, it uh evolved into like this full-blown like set of
2: game right and know? so yeah when when your source is from a person that has only that perspective like yeah i can see why it attracted that type oh, of yeah. person and but yeah like in this day and age like so it's it's becoming more open to so many other people. And like, yeah, like you were saying, if, if you, if, if you don't like open up, uh, I'm running out of words. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. No, no, right. worries. You, no. Yeah. If you, yeah, if it, you
1: just sort of, if you keep the gate keeping up, yes. yeah, you eventually it. find that like no one's coming back in. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, cause any gate is a gate too high.
1: <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> uh, and it, you know, it's it's interesting because the the uh, great irony of fantasy is that there's the element of escapism, mm. and yeah. you know, at least I can say for myself, you know, I really got into it because it gave me access to this world where, like, you know, I could escape, uh, you know, not not that my. Childhood was awful, but I could escape like some of the things I didn't like about my childhood. You know, Mm -hmm. I could be like this strong warrior or, or, you know, this, this wily, you know, uh, uh, rogue and, and, you know, or be a hero, uh, or, you know, that kind of thing versus like, you know, band nerd, drama geek, you know, those, those kinds of things that, that like you might see day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, and in the meantime, like, yeah, it, it was predominated or dominated, not predominated by like sort of a heteronormative mm-hmm. white male population. So I think is, is sort of the confluence of of all the nerds and all the outcasts really gravitating towards this thing. And the, you know, the industry kind of going like, well, you know, we can't, we can't survive only yeah. being this only marketing to this one, yeah sure yeah. Or,
0: or even on a different level like how cool could this be if we did this right you yeah. Know, yeah to flip it there to flip it's,
1: it to yeah make it a bit more positive spin yeah 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 it's a fantasy
2: like there are little limits to what you can like, <laughs> right. put in there right. yeah shall we move on to the calendar
1: let's right. do it jimmy how you feeling you want to hang out or you need to get going let me check the time I might need to get going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I figure as much. Yeah, well, it's, thank it's you so getting much getting for having me. Yeah, oh, shit, it's eight o'clock. Yes, yeah, yeah, I need to get right. going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for coming in. All right, you ready for this? Let's do it. I love, I, love, I, love, I, love, I love
2: Don't don't ever use that.
0: Don't worry, Tim. We'll continue to honor you through our calendar head sounder. The second Thursday of every month, we have the Joyful Riders Club in Minneapolis.
1: And scrolling up, the second Friday of every month is the Boston Bike Party.
0: Also the second Friday of every month, the Indianapolis Bike Party.
1: And this is a new one I discovered. It wasn't actually uh, given to us, but uh, in my crawling around on the Internet, I discovered that the last Friday of every month in Baltimore is the Baltimore Bike Party. There are bike parties everywhere.
0: I wonder we we should we should see if they want to ride in and let us know how their party goes. I
1: would I would love to hear from you. Um, they have a really nice blog with some Ooh. pretty good writing on it.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm all about fun blogs. Yes, the second Sunday of every month in Portland we have the Corvidai Bike Club ride.
1: Caca! Caca! April twenty first, the Randy Joe Fabrications trunk show. There at Revello PDX.
0: And if you want to see him in person, April 28th is Grant Peterson at Revello.
1: April 29th, the Monster Cookie Metric Century.
0: April 29th as well, in
1: case you couldn't make the other one,
0: the Yakima Valley Fondo from Pete D in Yakima.
1: April 4th through 6th, film by bike. Come join us, it
0: will be a fantastic time.
1: May 5th, grilled by bike cinco de mayo celebration from eric iverson thanks eric
0: yay on may 12th the mashley scavenger hunt ride
1: may 16th santa cruz california ride of silence from ride leader gregory braithwaite
0: and may 17th marks the release of oh my dollar from lillian kerbeik
1: May nineteenth, the DC
0: bike ride. June second, the Gifford Gravel Fifty with GPS route in the comment notes.
1: June second, the Wiser River ride. June
0: sixteenth, Rivello third anniversary wingding barbecue beverages deets to follow.
1: June twenty third, pedal pedal.
0: Where if you use the code sprocket eighteen, you'll receive a small discount which I can't remember. but it's worth it five
1: dollars maybe i shouldn't mention let's let's go with five (laughs) i like it uh don't court us on that august 19th portland century and september
0: 2nd also an axiom event the tour de lab where that code will also work
1: April 8th through 9th, the Bike MS 150.
0: And September 22nd, the Lowell Kinetic Sculpture Race in Lowell, Massachusetts.
1: We have some upcoming film by bike tour dates May 4th through 6th, right here in PDX. Albany, New York is July 22nd. Seattle, Washington, and Vancouver, Washington dates to be determined. Arcata, California in November of 2018, and Bendigo, Australia. In October of 2018.
0: Salutations to our neighbors from the south.
1: Yay! And that was.
0: Every day
2: of the year.
0: And now for.
1: What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike?
2: the the the
1: the just the Fade the music, Aaron. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Our headlines
0: posted by Snacky in this regard, headlines say nerd please.
1: Yes, uh, Snacky is actually writing from the surly uh, bike blog. Um, and this, yeah, comes, it's a little dated. Um, I almost wish Jimmy could have stayed at least for this one, but, uh, this comes as a, as a result of me typing in bicycle dungeons and dragons and seeing what came up. And this was my favorite <laughs> Sur-
0: Surly's blog. would, would rise to <laughs> <Yes. the top. laughs>
1: And so anyways, uh, from Surly's blog, it says, seriously, D and D parties are what Surly has come to. Let me ask you a question. After hearing this, do you still think Surly is a cool brand? Okay, maybe you never thought that we were cool, (laughs) but my guess is that you never thought of us as a bunch of cloak-wearing shoegazers, did you? Greg even tried—Greg is someone in their office—tried to invite me to the session too. by the way, by the way, and I almost said yes, almost. He nearly had me with, but Peter— We're about to enter the dungeon. Once we go down there, it will be too late for you to join. If only
0: you knew, Peter. (laughs) If only you knew.
1: Uh, The funny thing is, is is part of why I included this, not just because it it mentions D&D on on the Surly Bike blog back in December of 2012.
0: uh, Do you know what that means, though? Surly is like... The cool kid that says, Hey, we were back into the resurgence of D &D before people were (laughs) into the resurgence of (laughs) D. &D.
1: True enough. Um, but I partially included that because Jimmy said something almost verbatim to Mm. me to that. Like, you know, you've got like a week to decide whether or not to join our party. After Mm. that, like, you know, we'll be caught up in this thing and it'll be too late. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
0: it's legit. Uh,
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it happens. Um Next up is a guest post from our last guest, Aaron Brown, uh, and it is on uh, Bike Portland. The title is "Candidly TriMet Part One."
0: In my brain, I read that as "candidly," like. Kind of a, like in a Simpson esque uh, <laughs> rereading. I diddly ho. I yeah. diddly ho. As our friend Hari Kondabolu um, maybe has some thoughts on that. <laughs> sure uh, enough. So it's TriMet's employees, customers, and the agency itself who stand to benefit the most from any removal of this antiquated vestigial subsidy.
1: And he's talking about the uh, freeway widening project of Rose Quarter, mm-hmm. um, which he had talked about with us uh, last week. And um, In this article, just getting really candid with TriMet of, like, you know, you can't just keep riding the fence here and, and like, kind of playing both sides. You've got to take a side. Mm. Of course, he's going to lobby for, you know, one side. But
0: Aaron continues, every dollar our region wrestles away from ODOT's freeway expansion plans is a dollar we can spend on infrastructure that addresses these anti-poverty, climate, and public health initiatives.
1: Yes. Oh, and here's a, an article that I didn't see posted earlier. It's Ooh. true.
0: I snuck it in there.
1: Nice. Travel Oregon Competitive Medium Grants are now open. Tell us about this, Guthrie.
0: Yes. Uh, so this comes from a bit more of a... a, a it's called a DMO or, or direct uh, something organization. Shoot. I Marketing? should really know that one. Yeah. I Is it really? That. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so in, in, in essence... Uh, Travel Oregon, quote, is pleased to announce the opening of its 2018 through 2020 competitive medium grants program. The program awards eligible applicants for projects that contribute to the development and involvement of the tourism economy in communities throughout the state, supporting Travel Oregon's mission of, quote, a better life for Oregonians through strong, sustainable economies. Eligible product? Projects may be awarded funds between 20000 and 100000 and applicants must demonstrate at least 25% cash match. So I won't get into the details here, but I thought folks might be interested. We talk a lot about rural communities on the show. Yeah. And if you have a project in your community and you've got people behind it but are simply lacking the funding, the Medium Grants is a great way to submit for funding from Travel Oregon's program in regards to expanding biking in any capacity through your community. Nice.
1: Wow. I'm excited to see like what comes of that now.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll put a quick date out there. April 23rd is their online application deadline, and then it looks like June 6th. Oh, excuse me. April twenty-third is their opening. June sixth is their oh, deadline. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so you've got a couple months here.
1: Yeah, you got you got some time. But if you're somebody who, you know, just sits on your resumes and your grant applications, uh, they are open now. So get to it. Um we will be posting a link on our site. And now for We got mail.
0: That doesn't. That doesn't even sound like you.
1: <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> and yet I can't get away from it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: from listener Gregory Braithwaite, hey there! Updating from the Sea Otter Classic, a big California bike show slash expo, etc. Uh, etc. Et One, it really is pretty awesome. I'm doing a great event ride tomorrow. Two. Yeah. I plugged the Sprocket podcast to at least three Portland-based bike vendors. If you haven't checked out Circa Cycles, do.
1: I have checked them out, actually.
0: Me as, I, me as well. Have we had them
1: on the show? We haven't. We should get okay. them on the I, show.
0: I will send Circa an email. Um, so so for anyone unfamiliar with, Circa... like. You always see these new things that come along in bike technology and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like taking different approaches to the wheel. Right. right. Um, But Circa actually has a really. Wheel. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Circa has a a pretty cool approach to it uh, where it's more of like a modular bike frame. And I think to get a real idea of it, you would need to look it up. Um, But suffice to say, thank you for the suggestion, Gregory. Yeah. Um, We'll reach out to him. Yes, yeah. and Gregory says they seem to be a diamond in the rough. Um, I actually ran into the creator of Circa back when we were, I think it was, gosh, three, four years ago now. Yeah, because they've
1: been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I-, I saw him at it was like the, what was it, the that handmade bikes and mm-hmm. beers. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever, I can't remember what it was called actually, but yeah. it was like all these craft beers that were like made for that event. And then like all these people brought up, brought out like all these frame makers brought out these, these uh, frames and and Circa was one of the people that were there. Yeah. Um, And they were really unique in that, like a lot of the handmade bikes while really looking cool, like all kind of looked like, (laughs) you know, like handmade bikes (laughs) and, and like they're, They, they have
0: price tags attached to them.
1: Yes. And, and I, again, they, they looked really awesome, but these looked like just, just bikes, you know, um, mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I ran into, into the folks at Circa Cycle, I think, back in their very early days when they were looking for a co-working space ah. um, that was that was set to be between several bike manufacturers. Um, that itself did not end up happening, but it's been really nice to see Circles, Circa uh, and their journey throughout the ages. So, yeah, let's get them in.
1: Uh, next up from Lex and Corvidai. Thanks for doing a special on Lads 500 episode. It was awesome to relive it from a different perspective. What a great day and a pleasure to see you all there. Corvid Eye Bike Club rocking that DFL trophy. Yes, I'm so proud of you guys for taking the dead fucking last trophy. So I didn't have a chance to attend. Oh, you didn't know what DFL was? I figured that was first place. (laughs) It's a first of sorts, yes. Last yes.
0: last is first. Last is first.
1: Yes. Oh, uh, Well, you're, you're first there's in our certain, hearts, Lex, yes. in the Corvidai by Club. There's a certain level of pride of getting that trophy. Yeah, though. you've got yeah. to work
0: really hard to get last. <laughs> I mean, all, being honest.
1: Uh, I, I think at one point in time, Tink was riding backwards on the trike. Because um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, you know, it's not a fixed gear. Well, I guess it's a fixed gear of a mm-hmm. type, but like... You know, it moves backwards when you pedal backwards as okay. well. Yeah, that, so.
0: that brings to mind, uh, like Smarter Every Day, that he's got a bike. Uh, it's like a YouTube channel about science and exploration and learning and such. Uh-huh. Um, but he has a bike which he uses for his demonstrations with schools where the um, connections are actually backwards. And so it's the literal opposite of a bike that you or I have ever learned to ride. What? It gets me thinking. <laughs> if. That would be the ultimate ninja move: is to show up to Lats five hundred, having learned how to ride that bike, and then just like casually pass it off. Oh to my gosh! You, you ever Here feel like you go. injecting pain <laughs> or, or misery, <laughs> or potentially learning upon.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, and good times were had by all. Shall we put this baby to bed? We shall. All right. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at Stream PDX Community Audio Studio. Thanks to generous support of Open Signal. Our website
0: is thesprocketpodcast.com.
1: Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com.
0: Call or text 503-847-9774. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. And Hurtbird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katharina Mellingard, Wayne Norman, Doug Robertson, Ethan Georgie, Justin Martin Eric Iverson Cameron Lean Richard Wazinski
1: Tim Mooney Glenn Kubish
0: Matt Kelly Eric Weitz Todd Parker Dan Gebhardt Who's Who's a a time time traveler traveler.
1: Dave Knows
0: Chris Smith Christy Kaster Caleb Jenkinson K.P. Excuse me, JP Cutley,
1: <laughs> Peanut Butter Jar, Matt Marco Low, Rich Outerstrom,
0: Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder,
1: Anna. Wait, how did we switch again? Aaron, I'll be home Aaron soon. Aaron will be home soon. <laughs> John John Wasserman, Andre Johnson, King of Division, Josh Zeason, Richard G. Yours Guthrie Strong, who's sitting right next to me, Aaron Green. Father of we were like sons, founder of the Re Grainery,
0: Campsite Mac Nurse, David Nathan Fulton,
1: Chris Ross and Rory in Michigan. Nathan, no, Michael Flournoy.
0: <laughs> Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay, Tim Coleman. <laughs>
1: Mr. T, Harry Hugel, E.J. Finnerin.
0: Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchinson.
1: Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam.
0: Derek Wagner, Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing.
1: David Moore, Todd Grosbeck.
0: Chris Barron, Chris Barron. Chris Barrett, Sean
1: Baird, Simon Gregory Braithwaite, thanks for the mail,
0: Ryan Morrow, Jimmy Diesel, Dude Luna,
1: Matthew Rooks, and Marshall, and all of our former donors who helped us get this far, now brush your teeth and go to bed.